Blog Talk Radio. It's January 14th, 2018. Hello and welcome to Working for a Living Radio Show, where progressives for change present opinions that matter. Tonight we're joined by co-hosts David Fillion and Jeff Brown. I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. Please remember, good leadership is never about power and control, but rather for the honor and privilege of serving the members in the interest of the membership. To be sure, each and every member of the leadership team of Working for a Living is committed to returning our union, the UAW, to a labor ethos, and that ethos then administered in the interest of all the rank-and-file members. Having said that, we certainly hope most of you stayed safe this past week and are now enjoying this Martin Luther King holiday weekend. We have a few announcements. Unfortunately, there was an industrial manufacturing fatality last week. Melissa Stevens, a supervisor at Otto Newham, a non-union plant, was pulled into a press and perished. This was not the first incident of injury on that same press. May we please observe a moment of silence for the family, friends, and co-workers of Melissa Stevens. Thank you. Our thoughts and prayers from Working for a Living are with her friends, family, and co-workers. Announcement number two, remember that Team Working for a Living supports Medicare for everyone and removing the $127,000 cap on earnings that are subject to participation in the Social Security program. Announcement three, GM announced that Fairfax Assembly will be getting a new Cadillac to produce. Four, Toyota and Mazda are building a plant in Alabama for a cost of $1.6 billion and will employ 4,000 workers. Team working for a living would add, soon to be UAW represented once change is affected in our union. Announcement five, FCA announced it's bringing back a Ram pickup truck to be produced in Warren, Michigan, and will be giving its workers $2,000 on top of their profit sharing. Six, Walmart is giving its workers $1,000 bonus. This seems to be masking, masking wholesale layoffs to include the one, uh, one of the Sam's Clubs in Lansing, Michigan. Seven, an NLRB decision made it, uh, made, the NLRB made a decision that affects the protected concerted activity of all workers, both union and non-union. Eight, in case you missed it last week, by invitation, our Working for a Living radio show is now a member of the Michigan Association of Broadcasters. Nine, Title 29, USC 481G, a federal law that prohibits using dues dollars to promote a union candidate. Should you be approached by anyone being paid or otherwise using dues dollars 
to promote any candidate, please email working for a living at working for a living with a date, time, place, and name a person who contacted you along with the nature of what you were told. Thank you very much. Um, messages and email, we had a few. Uh, last week I was talking with a GM worker in Lansing and I asked, aren't they pretty hard on the temporaries? To which that worker responded, they get to work three days a week. I was shaken by this insensitive response. That's from Michigan. Uh, that's unfortunate that that's the mindset of some people. But we need to have solidarity between all of our workers and everyone should have the opportunity that works for the Detroit Three or anybody UAW represented to provide for their family as best they can with a good standard of living. Three days a week doesn't do that. And that will change after June, the first week in June. Announcement number, or I'm sorry, email number two. Uh, Lee, Leroy, please explain again what you meant by the disadvantages of a nonprofit getting credit. And that's from Ohio. Uh, hmm. I think I understand this to mean the uh, nonprofits uh, that are uh, uh, by the executive officers of the UAW that they control. Here's the thing. We have a wonderful union. And when our wonderful union sees fit to donate into the community for a good cause, as we've done for decades, then our union ought to be getting the credit. We need to continue to build and rebuild the reputation of a union. And when individuals take it upon themselves to get credit for such donations by and through the use of union monies that have been donated from local unions, etc., to their nonprofits, then that individual gets credit and not our union, who should be getting credit. It's our union that needs to be exalted, not any individual. Not any individual. We all participate in the economic security of our union every month. We pay union dues, active or retired. And our union needs to be getting the benefit of that, not an individual. So that's my thought on that. Uh, we appreciate that from Ohio. I hope you understand what I just said. Uh, it is a wonderful thing to promote our union, not an individual. We'll get into that later down the road because we actually have some uh, minutes uh, 
at a certain person that's running for office now had a check from a local union sent to a nonprofit and then had to have it redirected to a different nonprofit. And we don't know if he controls either one of those. Well, one we believe he does. So we'll get into that a little further down the road. Um, not, uh, email number three. Uh, great job on last week's report, David. That's from Missouri. I'm sure that David appreciates that, and I uh, believe there's a, that's a sentiment of a lot of people out there. A lot of people were wondering where to get that document. It is on our uh, .com. Uh, we, uh, the, the one article is free to be reproduced. Uh, the report itself, we appreciate it if you did not do that. Uh, at least for a while. Thank you. Um, uh, message email number four. I missed Jeff last week from Texas, and I'm sure Jeff knows who that's from. Uh, and uh, um, uh, we're uh, uh, happy to have Jeff here this week with us. So please understand that it's uh, uh, just uh, one of those days. Uh, so. Jeff will be uh, here and fine this week. So, uh, And he has a nice report about the Constitution. Thanks to all our email writers. We appreciate that. Up next is our quote for the week. And as you know, this is uh, the celebrated um, birthday of Martin Luther King this weekend, celebrated. Uh, and uh, it'd be, we'd be remiss if we didn't uh, give one of his quotes. And this one is a little poignant, uh, so let me quote the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. In the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but silence of our friends. Let me repeat that. In the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., a great, great supporter of civil rights and of unionism itself. Thank you for everything you contributed that we all benefit from these days. Uh, so let's bring on our co-host, Jeff Brown and Dave Fillion. Uh, Jeff, how are you doing? Good, Leroy. Uh, since my move, I've been having some back problems and that kind of stuff. I'm all moved in and ready to go. Start the new year off right. Um, so the email that we got about the, uh, the uh, how the temporaries are being treated, it's very shameful. Um, my plant, um, we had a Christmas, every area had a Christmas party dinner the last day of work for the holiday break. And there was a lot of complaints on our Facebook page, on one of our Facebook pages, that's local 3000, that uh, the seniority members didn't want the temporaries there. They refused to let them eat or be part of the uh, Lunch 
that we had, uh, and that's shameful. Those people really do a good job for us. And without them, we would not be able to run. So that's what happened at my point. Wow. Like you said, we all have to stand together as one. Um, but in my area, we love those guys. You know, they, they come in every three days a week. They bust their butts. They do a good job. Uh, they do a job every day. Um we really could not run without them. We could not supply the line without them temporarily. And they should be made full-time. Some of them have been there almost three years now. And that's shameful on the international staff. So I just want to get that out there. Okay. Uh, thank you for that, Jeff. I mean, it's almost shameful. And it's, it's just indicative of how they've been brainwashed in these uh, facilities about the temporaries. Um, you know, they pay dues just like us. They're working shoulder to shoulder with the members in the plant. And this is just wrong to treat them that way. I mean, how would you like to be working in a facility and everybody having a great big party and, and eating and, and having some beverage, you know, non-alcoholic beverage and a little camaraderie and networking and just saying, hey, the holidays here and you look over there and you're not invited. In fact, you're told to stay away. How do you think mm-hmm. those people feel? And once they gain seniority, how do you think they're going to feel towards you then? Okay. Exactly. When the, when, when the older yeah. folks retire and these people have the right to, you know, to vote in any contract. Um, yeah. You know, they're going to eventually, you know, bargain these agreements. Is that how you want to treat the people that are going to bargain your agreement in the future? Well, I don't know. I don't think so. I think we've got to treat them a whole lot better than that. And the idea that they get to work three days a week, that's kind of like it was back in the the 30s. You know, Mm -hmm. unless you sucked up, you know, kiss some butt, you didn't get to work a full week back in the 30s, before unions. Unions supposed to protect you. And now we treat these people badly, and management treats them like slaves. It's horrible, and that's going to change. That's going to change in a number of ways. Uh, so, uh, David, uh, welcome. How are you doing? I'm pretty good, Leroy. I concur with what Jeff was saying um, when I hired in. Um, there wasn't any of that. Um, the older workers took you under their wing, and they protected you, and the union stood behind you, too. Um, that all has to be changed. I hope people will consider that these are human beings. Just trying to make a living. They're not doing very well at um, working for, you know, their earnings. They're not making much. They're trying to support their families. We need to respect that until we can do better by them. On the other note, it's cold around here, Leroy. I'm telling you, I need a vacation. You do? Where do you want to go? Yeah. 
I'm thinking Palm Springs is nice this time of year. I'm hearing that anyway. <laughs> Palm Springs, California? Oh, I, I, heard, I heard it's nice out there, too. There's a bunch of people taking a vacation out there. Yeah, I understand. We'll see. I like- we'll have a full report, see if anybody got supported that wasn't supposed to be supported with union dollars. Yeah. We're watching, folks. We're watching. And there's a time for us to raise that. And that's coming. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's interesting. Yeah, Palm Springs soon. Uh, uh, this, this, this next week starts Tuesday, I guess. So. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, well, uh, we were supposed to have a member of our leadership team come on and do something anonymously because they wrote a wonderful tribute to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And we'll get that read, but we're going to kind of hold off and see if this person uh, from our leadership team who wrote this uh, will actually call in here tonight. So let's give let's give her a little chance here and see if uh, she can do that. Um, and uh, I, I think she might have called me. I'm not sure. And, of course, we've been keeping everybody pretty private so they don't get attacked, and she might think that somebody might recognize her voice or something because it's kind of distinct. But uh, if... if uh, uh, she she truly doesn't show up. Uh, we'll get a volunteer from the three of us to read it. <coughs> me, and it's all in our show notes. So, um, Jeff, would you like to start off with your constitutional series uh, and uh, go forward with that, please? Uh, your tonight's report. Yeah, we're going to finish up uh, section eight, which is still doing dealing with conventions. We got a few sections on this one. So I believe I left off at um, 23, section 23. And that means we have two more to go after this one. 23 uh, delegates to the international convention shall be elected by secret ballot of the local union of which they are members and in no case shall be appointed. Elections for convention delegates must take place no later than 30 days prior to the convening convening of the convention. That's section 23. Section 24. At least seven days shall elapse between the time of nominations of delegates and the date of election shall take place. All members shall be duly notified at least 15 days in advance of the time in said place of collection and, and the hours of the polls will be open. Polling places must be open a significant number of hours and on one or more days allowing all members of the local union an opportunity to cast their votes. Each member shall personally cast his or her vote at the polls in the last one. Section 25, uh, local union action to instruct that a delegate does not serve to commit or blind 
of buying the delegate on any issue he or she may vote at the convention. And that finishes up the conventions at Section 8. Um, we're done with that one, Leroy. Okay. Um, so that concludes uh, Section 8 then, right? That's, yes. And next okay. week we will do Article 9, 9 and a half of 10. Yeah, 10 is pretty long. Okay. Right. All right. Sounds good. Uh, is there anything that you see in this week's report that needs to be addressed by resolution? Um, not that I can see at the moment. Um, okay. Looks pretty good. Okay. Sounds good, Jeff. Thank you for your report. Uh, David, do you have anything to add to Jeff's report? No. Um, I don't see any issues with that. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, all right. I don't have anything else to add at this time. Uh, so, David, would you like to give your report tonight? I'm going to begin, um, Leroy, by reading the last paragraph of the last section that uh, we we did last week and lead into this week. Um, okay. GM, GM also has ideas for cutting labor costs at selected facilities on a local basis. The leaked Warren document proposed freezing existing compensation levels modifying selected new wage and benefit provisions, otherwise approved by the 84 National Agreement, reducing hiring rates and extended grow-in provisions for new employees, and modifying contracts to provide for local approval of wage agreements. If these proposals were accepted by the UAW at the targeted operations, it would involve a major break with the UAW pattern-setting approach. It takes wages out of competition. It would destroy the principle of equal pay for equal work and set worker against worker and or local union against local union. We'll begin this week's section. To reduce man hours per car, GM plans to continue its assault on local work practices. The Warren document suggests that plant management and supervisors actively support local changes in, the, in work practices, seniority work practices, and seniority pumping procedures that increase productivity. In a similar vein, the document specifically states that craft barriers be torn down to provide for utilization of the skilled work, skilled trades workforce. Auto workers at Largetown Assembly Plant believe such changes would keep many workers on permanent layoff. When Rudy Gasparic and Harry Jones, president and shop chairman respectively of UAW Local 112 Largetown, read the Warren document in conjunction current GM attempts to overload jobs, they were so angered that they told their membership, if they eliminate jobs in your area, 
and add work to you. Work at a normal pace and build quality. And if you can't get it all, leave it go. We have to stick together to preserve our jobs and work pace. Skilled trades workers at Lordstown claim that GM has been trying to have all skilled tradesmen become a millwright and to lay off skilled trades workers. GM also plans to reduce labor hours per car by increasing the pace of technology change. With its record profits, GM will implement new technology and manufacturing processes that increase productivity, reduce costs, and improve quality. GM could have as many as 14,000 robots by 1990. As for changes in the manufacturing process, which improve quality, the trend is to collapse jobs into one category. For example, at Lordstown, which has the highest quality rating for J-Car plants, repair and inspection jobs are being combined so that those who inspect cars will also repair them while their coworkers are laid off. What is to happen to the displaced auto workers? In 1982, the rank and file was told by the UAW that GM was moving towards guaranteed employment. The UAW, or GM UAW report prepared prior to the 1982 ratification vote read, the union won the establishment of a pilot employment guarantee program, PEG, which will incorporate a lifetime job security concept at four corporation locations applicable to 80% of the workforce at each facility. The PEG program was never fully implemented. However, because GM asked for additional concessions before PEG, would be initiated, the lifetime guarantee established in 1982 expires in September of 84. And the Warren document states that it will be discontinued clearly. Reducing man hours per car will result in increased levels of unemployment among auto workers. That's where we'll leave off for this week, Leroy. Okay, thank you, David. very good report. Jeff, do you have anything to add to David's report? Uh, no, I don't, Leroy. Okay. Oh, good. Yeah, I, I want to remind everybody that this uh, was written by a professor in 1984 who was the head of the Labor Department at University. He's now at Georgetown. And this is so insightful by this gentleman. It's just unbelievable. And what he's saying here is that our union knows about this because it was leaked. And all of their plans, very clearly articulated and written out in black letter print, for all to understand. And they've been implemented 
almost with military precision and almost with little pushback, if any, from our union that has gotten us to the position that we're in now. Suppressed wages, divided membership, tiered wages, temporaries. All of this was planned in 1983. And the Ruther Caucus has known this. It used to be called the Administrative Caucus. And they've known it all along. And they could have let us know and said, hey, we need your support so these things don't come to pass. But they capitulated. And in the late 90s and early 2000s, they started talking about the new union, the new UAW, the one that's going to get along with management. I can remember and hear them now. Don't do anything to make the company mad. Oh, don't piss them off. Union management relationship is adversarial. Adversarial does not mean confrontational and argumentative. It means adversarial. They have an adversary purpose than what we have. Adverse position than we have. Theirs is for the company. Ours is supposed to be for the union. And that makes it adversarial because we have adverse positions. And some people sometimes might get angry that we've taken a position to protect our membership. And that's just too bad. But for the people that are there now, they thought, oh, we can't make a map. Let's just go along. And in the future, we'll attempt to make an economic case for all that occurring. Okay? We have documents beyond the Warren document and this article written by this wonderful professor, beyond what they've had to say. We have documents that prove an economic argument. So we'll just let that one simmer out there for a little bit. Let's simmer for a little bit. Okay. Um, do, do you have? Did uh, Jeff? Did or did you have anything more on this or not? No. Um, we have to. Go ahead, Dave. Um, after having read this section tonight, um, the attack on our skilled trades workforce is real been ramping up for some time. 
um, clearly um, this has been a plan for many decades. Um, we are aware that one um, vice president of the Ruther Caucus went into a facility and asked skilled trades workers to voluntarily give over their work. Basically, what would amount to PMs, changing welder caps and, and straps, things of that nature. Um, there is no contract language that speaks to conductors. However, it was suggested to the skilled trades workers that they would give over their work to these conductors. I actually spoke with the committee person who was adamantly against this idea. And we need to consider this in the future in 19 because they're coming after the skilled trades workforce. It was apparent decades ago, and it's before your eyes now. You can see it. If you're skilled trades, you already know. So pay attention. That's all I have, Leroy. Okay, David, thank you. Uh, you know, that's a defensive position. Let's defend our members. But we're going to go after them. We're going to take an offensive position, unlike what's been done for decades under the current leadership. We're going after the executive suite. We're going after their money. We're not going to sit by idly and allow them to become billionaires while some of our members are working three days a week, while they attack our skilled trades, while they have tiers of wages in our plant, unprecedented until 2007 under the current leadership of the UAW. This is going to stop, all of it, and we're going on the offensive. We're not going to just sit around trying to defend our position Nobody's talked about that ever. You haven't heard anything like that out of the Ruther Caucus. None of them sit around and collect their money and more. And I'm sick of it. And I know because I've been listening, you all are sick of it too. It's time for this to stop, and it's not going to stop with more of the same. It's time for a change. Seventy years is long enough. Even Walter Ruther said as much. Okay. Um, my report, uh, there's been 
much made about the Volkswagen uh, issue, what happened there in 2014. I'm going to tell you those people wanted a union. They wanted a union real bad, all of them. Very few didn't. And they had the opportunity to vote on certification. And in the document, also to be considered a neutrality agreement, in there was contained language to put in a works council, a German works council. And brothers and sisters, other listeners, those folks at Volkswagen are not stupid. They're smart. And I say that for this reason. A works council is elected by management. German-style works council with with management members and union members in the works council. And in Germany, where this works council is patterned after, they sit in judgment of your complaint, not a grievance, but a complaint that you send in. And then they render a decision justice, if you don't like their decisions, is to go to the outside court structure and have them at great expense by yourself try and get you essential justice. Now some of these complaints are maybe over the ability to get a better ergonomic mat to stand on as opposed to one that's lesser quality. But they determine, oh, the lesser quality is better or is is sufficient. But there's a better opportunity. Well, you're not going to spend thousands of dollars trying to get a better mat for yourself. And it may cost them in the end thousands of dollars because compression of your vertebrae in your spine in your discs so they knew that that system of having to go to the outside court was not a good one more importantly even those thought to be unsophisticated union hating southern workers were far more sophisticated and not so much union-hating as they were represented to be because they were smart enough to understand management has no business in the union business. 
once they read that in the agreement for certification and they were presented to vote, they didn't want a German works, works council, a German-style work, works council in their plant. And that and nothing else is why the UAW is not in Volkswagen today. And when we go back to Volkswagen, when you have team working for a living in leadership of this union, we will go down there and we will not put a German-style works council in the certification vote agreement. We will not. Because management has no business in our business. We'll represent you. They would not vote to have management represent them. Think about that. That's what they were asked to do. If they're going to have a union, they're going to have a real union, not one that's tainted with management. I promise you, you elect working for a living in total, and we're going to, we will organize and represent not only Volkswagen, but VMW, Mazda, Nissan, Toyota, and every other southern plant. Because we're not going to play those games that got played at Volkswagen. When we ask members to join and be represented by us, the UAW, they'll know that they're going to have a real union behind them, not a management-tainted union. And they'll know by and through our actions and steps that we're going to take and you've heard about these steps over the last two years that will write our ship called the UAW with a nice, tall, straight mast for our sail to be hung from, not one that's listing toward the company. There's a lot wrong with what happened at Volkswagen. We will organize them and others. We hear what you, the membership, are saying. One big point is, if you want more dues, get us higher wages and get more members. Hell, I said it. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to get you higher wages, and we're going to get more members in our union. As sure as you're listening to this radio show. Okay. Um, there's an NLRB decision out there and this decision 
not very friendly to us uh, and the employer policies that are now allowed. Um, this decision uh, is uh, Boeing Company 19-CA.0909-32, and that's December 2017. Uh, under the new test of uh, evaluating employees' NLR rights, NLRA rights, uh, in our exercise of uh, concerted protections for concerted protected activity. Uh, they have two new tests. Uh, the first one is the nature and extent of the potential impact of the on NLRA rights, National Labor Relations Act rights. And the second one is legitimate justifications associated with the rule. And there are three categories of these rules. This is big stuff, folks, and this is really affecting us and our ability to speak out uh, against the things we think are wrong with the company and, and perhaps even with our union. Uh, believe me, each and every person associated with Team Working for a Living loves our union. We just don't like that it's listing over toward the company. That sail needs to come back up. That mast needs to come back up straight and have a nice look to our sail. Uh, the first category, uh, one, uh, it includes a work rule. The NLRB, National Labor Relations Board, designates as lawful because the rule doesn't prohibit or interfere with the exercise of NLRA rights or because the legitimate justifications outweigh the potential adverse effect on protected rights. Legitimate justifications. Now, that's to be determined by others, but it's so cloudy that you don't know what you can say or not say. Category two covers rules that warrant individualized scrutiny to determine interference with NLRA rights and whether legitimate justifications outweigh any adverse in impact. Again, with the legitimate justifications. Category three, and I'm reading this right from this uh, page here, uh, from the text of the uh, uh, ruling. Uh, in the indicates rules that the NLRB will designate as unlawful because they would prohibit or limit NLRA protected conduct. An adverse impact on NLRA rights is not outweighed by justifications, again, justifications associated with the rule. As an example, as a rule prohibits employees from discussing wages or benefits with one another. So some of these are uh, pretty uh, uh, bad for us. Um, as you know, the uh, current makeup of the board is equally divided between Democrats and Republicans, and we expect that the next open seat that's, that is, remains open, the open seat, be uh, filled by a Republican under the Republican administration. This goes on to talk about 
of the bargaining units and the joint employers and when the oh this is the majority rules and that deals with the uh, makeup of the National Labor Relations Board itself so uh, soon to change uh, and go red rather than neutral or blue and just saying folks you got to pay attention when you vote uh, so that's uh, about it on that um, I want to let you all know there was a comment made that somebody said they were going to just represent the good people well team working for a living is appalled by that anybody think that team working for a living is uh, in fact committed to representing every member of the UAW not just the good members and I'm not sure who's going to define who the good members are so be careful as you take a look at some of these other splinter groups out there um we covered there was an email on that and uh oh we had uh a rally on Wednesday at the Michigan Capitol about prevailing wage and to retain that because it's now uh, at the legislative level and there are 11 people uh, house reps in the state of Michigan who are undecided on how they're going to vote well, let me give you their names it's worth taking a pencil and thinking about this if you live in Michigan or even not in Michigan because this is a, a big big deal um, uh, these are all house representatives we're not going to give you their uh, a party affiliation and uh, they will give you their district so you might have an idea Peter Lucindo L-U-C-I-N-D-O district 36 these are house representatives. So the lower the number, the closer to Detroit, the higher the number up into the UP. Okay. Kathy Crawford, District 38. Clint Kesto, K-E-S-T-O, District 39. Michael Weber, 45th District. Beth Griffin, 66th District. Kim Lasada, 79th District. Roger Hauk, H-A-U-C-K, 99th District. Kurt Vanderwall, 101st District. Dyer, D-A-I-R-E, Rendon, 103rd District. Larry Inman, I-N-M-A-N, 104th District. Tristan Cole, 105th District. If you have a question that you cannot understand in regard to the Michigan Building Trades trying to retain prevailing wage, you may call Steve Claywell at 517-484-8427 or Patrick Devlin, 313-965-5000. Eight oh. 
that's the call to action that they had uh, for everybody there. Um, I hope that some of you heed that. We'll get that on our page on our dot com uh, yet. Uh, you know, before the weekend is over, with a number of things going on. Um, the rally had about 3,000 of the building trades there. It's nice to see my ex-brother-in-law there. Uh, uh, and it, it, it was just nice seeing him. We had a number of speakers. Gretchen Whitmer led it off, the uh, lead candidate for governor the state of Michigan on the Democratic side. She did a nice job supporting the building trades and prevailing wage. Had a number of other speakers. Senator from Macomb County did a real nice job. Came by and introduced himself to me. Gretchen came by and said hi. Of course, we're from the same county, and I'm past chair of the Democratic Party here, so uh, we clearly know uh, one another even though we might not communicate all that much. Um, it was a good rally. There were eight UAW people there. Eight. Myself and seven people from 652. One was a speaker on the dais. Brothers and sisters, that's unacceptable. And that'll change after June 1st. It was a nice crowd, but that crowd could have been two or three times larger easily. My friends, past and present leaders of the building trades were all happy to see me there, said so and followed up by phone or other communication that they were pleased to see me there. And I was happy to be there. It was a good rally. Let's hope that we can turn the legislator, legislature of Michigan around enough to stop prevailing wage being undermined. They want to cut the wages essentially by half. This needs to end. So of those names that I read, they're undecided. Help them to decide. You know how to do that. Be nice, but help them to decide. And if you have any questions on the issues, you have a couple numbers you can call and find out exactly some of the questions that you need to ask or just impress upon them that you'd like them to support retaining prevailing wage in Michigan. And it doesn't matter where in the country you are from, you can do that. Okay. So uh, given my report, uh, Jeff, do you have anything on that? No, I hope your report is real good. Thank you. Real good. Uh, David, do you have anything to add on that? Um, a couple things. Um, I'm glad that there were um, seven other members there um, from 652. That's huge. Um, 
crowd could have been bigger. Um, but um, thanks to those who participated. Um, also, um, I believe Gretchen Winnemer will make a very good governor. She's been right there every step of the way with labor. Um, I don't think we could ask for a better governor than we would get in Gretchen. Okay. Uh, so. For those of you, yeah, regarding Gretchen, for those of you that may want to participate, next Sunday, I believe at noon, uh, at the in downtown Lansing, uh, Gretchen Whitmer is sponsoring a woman's walk uh, to support women. Uh, everybody's welcome, man and woman. Anybody can go. Uh, so you're invited. Uh, she, when she come by to say hi, she's said to uh, invite everybody. Uh, so that's your invitation. <laughs> okay. Uh, next Sunday, the 21st. Uh, I'll be on WKBN. I just got a confirmation email at 10 a.m. Sunday morning, the 21st. Morris Ray is going to be inter interviewing me, and we ask that everybody tell all their friends to tune in because he'd like to have really good numbers for his show. <laughs> so, uh, he and there'll be some interesting things that he's going to ask that he's sort of prompted uh, a little bit, and uh, we'll we'll see. There's going to be some probably some ad hoc questions as well, but. Uh, so Morris Ray, WKBN in Youngstown, Ohio, that area goes around, uh, listening area is broadcast, uh, goes around uh, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Akron, south into a uh, little bit of West Virginia. Uh, for those of you in Pittsburgh, yes, McKnight, uh, zip code, McKnight Road, Park Schools, churches uh, that are named McKnight. Uh, my family settled there in north of Fort Pitt in 1720, so that can be attributed to their being there a long time ago. Uh, so uh, we, uh, just by way of saying, you know, so everybody knows, yeah, that's part of my family. Uh, so uh, anything else, David, on that? Um, no, no. Okay. Well, I think our team member has cold feet. So uh, not so much probably because of being scared because this person's never for lack of words, but probably doesn't want to get identified and become a target like some of our good supporters and friends have become. We have a wonderful tribute to the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. that uh, she wrote up for uh, the show and we had hoped that she would be here to read it. But in her absence, I uh, will ask for volunteers. Did David or Jeff, either one of you want to read it? I think it's in your notes. Or are you going to leave it? Put it on? Doesn't want to. You, you want to do it, David? I've been talking too much. Sure. Okay. Go ahead, Dave. 
On this day of January 15th, 2018, we pay homage to one of the most influential people in American history, a great man and an activist whose work transcend modern-day times. Martin Luther King, Jr., whose agenda was not just to make a better life for himself and his family, but included all of us. He was a brave man who sacrificed his own life, marching and fighting against civil and social inequalities that oppressed many people from various walks of life. His mission continues as we stand in solidarity against racial and human inequalities daily. Dr. King's legacy set a path for all people in this country to succeed. His mission was not to conform to the social norms of those struggling times, but to fight for better times in the future. Today, in 2018, we have made progress, but still a lot more to be done. Without the sacrifices of Dr. King and other selfless individuals who chose to stand with him, who knows what the world would be today. In conclusion, like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., I also have a dream. My dream is for all people in this country, no matter their race, ethnicity, sexuality, and economic status, be given the same opportunities and not be discriminated against. In solidarity, team working for a living. Thank you, David. Uh, we all remember Dr. Martin Luther King on this day and tomorrow, the celebrated holiday, and his remembrance. What an amazing man and the legacy that he's left us. Jeff, do you have any comments on on this uh, passage that was written by one of our team members? It was a great uh, note. Um, Dr. King has always been one of my heroes throughout life. Um, I'm not much of a religious man, but uh, if he were still around, I might be going to his church because um, I believe in everything he stood for. Um, need more people like him. Um, suffered a lot. His family suffered a lot. And uh, I can't imagine what this world looks like, but the things he did, um, without the things he did. And uh, I got his uh, movie Selma on DVD, and I plan on watching it tomorrow. So. Everybody have a safe Dr. King Day. I know there's a march tomorrow in Detroit. Um, so, so I got Levi. Okay. Uh, so uh, that was it. Was just an amazing piece. Do, do you have any comments on it, David, on the piece itself about you know uh-huh. this is written so very well. She did a very nice job. Um, uh, my hat's off to her. Um, she did a great, great job there. Let me let me tell you something. The person that wrote this is a little remiss, or not remiss, but 
reticent to come on the show for a number of reasons. But this was unedited. Not one word was edited. This is the type of quality of the members of our team. This woman pulled, poured out her soul into writing this tribute to Dr. Martin Luther King. She did an amazing job. She didn't copy and paste it from anything. She wrote it. And that's the type of person that you can expect to find on our team when it comes time. She is one first-class lady with an electrical engineering degree working in the plant with executive board experience. Thank you to the sister that wrote this, and thank you to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. for everything you did that inspired a woman to write this tribute to you today. Thank you so very, very much. Okay. Let's go around the room, and I'll ask uh, uh, Jeff, do you have anything to add, uh, anything at all, before we close out the show? Yeah, um, my plant, flat after assembly, um, our seniority members have been looking into their uh, testing page on the Ford website. That's where we can go in and check how many years we have credited our 401k, uh, that, that kind of thing, uh, benefits. And it seems like all of us are now listed as being on leave of absence. Um, our people have gone to our HR department. The HR department is saying it's Ford Payroll. So they call Ford Payroll. Ford Payroll's calling, telling them that uh, somebody in the plant screwed up. HR in our plant. There's some games being played. And uh, our plant is one of the, I don't know how many, but we are one of the plants that still do not have a local agreement two years into the national agreement. And we just got a brand new plant manager probably about four weeks ago. But uh, this is Concerning, uh, big concern for our, our members who are thinking about retiring, because uh, not only does it decrease your pension, um, it decreases um, the number of hours you acquire to get to add to your pension. But uh, it's very unsettling with some of my members having the plant put us on status of leave of absence. So I hope this gets straightened out pretty soon because it's getting kind of ugly in my plan. We've had a lot of ugly things happen in the last year or so. That's all I got, Leroy. Okay. Well, hopefully 
they get that straightened out pretty soon, Jeff. That doesn't yes. sound good over there because that's not, you know, that affect pays, you know, people's pay and mm-hmm. everything else is straightened out. So, okay. David, do you have anything at all to say? Yeah, I have um, an announcement um, that came in late. Um, tomorrow, there's on Monday, there's a news conference um, scheduled. Um, I believe it will take place at noon. Um, this revolves around the Toledo Jeep Transportation Facility. Um, union leaders are saying they will announce details Monday afternoon at UAW Local 12 headquarters. Um, they intend to um, fight to protect um, jobs that are scheduled to be um, outsourced from that facility. I believe it's 92 jobs. Yeah, 92 jobs is here. Um, they're saying that uh, basically the decision to outsource and move these jobs is a bad faith effort by SCA to erode the bargaining unit. Um, so that will be happening tomorrow. So we'll have some We'll know some more about this um, next week, um, what this um, rally will detail. Um, I support them in their effort um, for the rally. Um, Leroy, do you have any idea on what could have been done better to protect these jobs? Well, I'm... Off the top of my head, you know, I I don't have anything right at the moment, David. Uh, You know, the whole notion of what's been going on uh, to suppress wages and to, um, you know, outsource work to just, you know, destroy the wage base and the the, uh, job base, in our country just has to change and it's not being done by the people that are leading us now and so uh, as we address those issues people will just simply begin to understand that going down that road is just going to be unacceptable so that's my thought on it David it's bigger it's a bigger issue my senses. Um, my belief is that the contract should have contained language um, for moratoriums and plan idlings. Um, quite possibly that would have protected these jobs. Um, to my knowledge, we do cheap plant does not fall under the uh, Chrysler Fiat National Agreement. Oh, okay. So I know I know one of the guys that drives down there, and um, that's a big problem for Clico Jeep down there. They're not part of the uh, National Agreement. It's kind of like the Cami plant. Exactly. 
Gotcha. Thanks for pointing that out, Joe. Okay. Um, well, thanks, David. Uh, I have uh, any. Do you have any more else? Any, anything nope. else? That's all. Okay. That's all. I have one last thing that I want to uh, address, and then we'll close the show out. Uh, document 10 in the General Motors Agreement: Volume reductions for dual-sourced products. It says, during the course of these negotiations, the company and union have provided General Motors employees with substantial increased job security through product commitments which were made during these negotiations, 2015 negotiations we're talking about. The parties recognize that these future potential employment levels may fluctuate as a result of the cyclical nature of demand in our industry. And you've heard us talk about model mix and how they're out of balance here at the top of this apex of the economic cycle, the high-dollar trucks and other high-dollar cars, and that they need to protect that uh, on the bottom, for the bottom side of the uh, economic cycle. They need to protect the brands uh, so that they won't be out of balance when the cycle switches around. Uh, but to go on, the company acknowledges, however, the importance of minimizing layoffs even in instances where volume-related declines are unavailable, unavoidable. In particular, the union stressed the importance of reducing overtime and shifting dual-source production requirements to UAW General Motors plants in the event of overall market declines. The company agrees to take these and other actions whenever practical. That's signed by Kathy Clegg, North American Manufacturing Labor Relations. So, as uh, you've heard us say, uh, and here it is in black letter print, and we also heard in the thir third quarter a report of General Motors, uh, third quarter reporting, that they needed to protect the brand, uh, the cruise brand at Lordstown. Uh, you just heard that it's in black letter print that they're supposed to not uh, lay off uh, beyond what's practical in order to protect that brand and the, the vehicles that fluctuate in their sales. And we would ask that the corporation abide by their agreement. We know you listen to this show. Abide by the agreement. You wrote it. You signed it. We know there's downturn in the mix. We also know trucks are selling like crazy. But that's not going to be forever. So protect these brands that aren't selling right now because they will on the bottom of this economic cycle. It's called a sine wave, by the way. The top is an apex, and the bottom is called a nadir, an A-D-I-R. So everybody understands how an economic cycle, a sine wave, if you will, is identified. So having said that, that's about all I have. Uh, unless there's anything else from uh, um, uh, Jeff and David, let's close her out tonight. And I uh, want to thank all of our friends around the world, all the continents except Antarctica, listen to us. 
Thank you very much. Uh, I want to thank our friends in Canada and Mexico. Thank all our members here in the United States, a few members in Canada. Uh, we won't go out to each, say each one of your uh, cities tonight because it's getting a little bit long here. Um, we appreciate you listening to the show. If you found value in the show, please tell just one more person so that they too can benefit from the information that we talk about here. Uh, having said that, I want to say uh, good night, listeners. We'll see you next week, obviously. Good night, listeners, and good night, David and Jeff. Have a good night. Good weekend tomorrow. Good, good night, Good night, everybody. Good night.